0: Have your Bibles this morning. I'm reading from the second chapter of Luke, uh, a couple of verses with a key phrase. If you would uh, like to find your way there, it would be appropriate. Uh, It's been a busy week at church. We have hosted the uh, graduation services for our Christmas program, I guess, not graduation yet, Christmas program for. Life School of Cedar Hill. This building was filled to capacity. We set up chairs in the aisle. We, had, uh, uh, we set up chairs in the back, and in addition to all of those being filled, probably had near 100 people standing up. It was good to see our church building filled with folks and uh, an honor to have them. We hosted, uh, our, we hosted the uh, piano teacher's uh, recital of uh, this area on Saturday morning. Uh, lots of people here, a uh, number of kids. Uh, doing their best, and it was a very moving time to see kids uh, showing their, their talents and what they've learned, and a great chance to us to welcome another segment of our community into our building. And then uh, Live Nativity last week, uh, last night, starting at 5.30, 6.30, 7.30, we had a parking lot full of people, and uh, many of them here for the first time. Uh, many pastors uh, came, or more than I remember before, before uh, attended last night, I talked to a number of people who have said we've been coming to this for a long time, but we, we want to bring our neighbors or our grandchildren or our relatives and uh, all uh, the focus of what we're trying to do to get the message out about what God has done for us. We'll have our concluding evening of live nativity tonight with performances at 5 30, 6 30, and 7 30. The camels, the camel herd, the camel troop. I don't know what you call a bunch of camels. A bunch of camels will arrive here about 5 o'clock. And a great time to, uh, to just kind of be a part of that. Hot chocolate apple cider was a, a great hit. The fire pit was uh, certainly needed uh, last night. And uh, we, we try to do our best to get the message out about, about Christ. I took great pride in telling everyone that attended last night that this is our, gift, our church's gift to our community. And the co- members of this congregation have sacrificially given and raised all the money needed to put this production on and our teens have depicted the parts and and prayers have been prayed and we just leave that in the hands of God as we try to plant seeds for him thank you for giving thank you for praying I would ask you to continue that tonight and we want to be faithful and true to get the word out to our community our friends our neighbors that Christ came as an act of God's great love and life can be different because of him And thank you for your prayers and your attention Well, reading familiar words this morning from the second chapter of Luke. About uh, verse 8 is the focus, but I think I'll start with verse 8. About verse 10 is the focus, but I'll start with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I focus on these words of the, of the tenth verse, uh, the message of the angel, I bring you good news of great joy. And I want to talk to you about the subject of joy uh, this this morning. We don't talk about that a whole lot in church. It's much easier to talk about the peace of God. It's much easier to talk about the miraculous conception and all the things that transpired in the physical act of the Christ child being born. But the angel's message was about joy. And I want to ask you to examine your life. Do you have the joy God intended us to have in your life? Joy is very hard to define. Uh, joy is, uh, is, uh, is a very... Uh, uh, A very difficult word to define it's a much greater word to uh, explore and explain from in a contextual state but very hard to define but the message of the angels was good news of great joy as I look around the community we live in as I look around our town and the world at at large it seems that we do not uh, the world today does not have much in the way of joy in their lives or the evidence of joy And what does that mean, and how can we achieve it, and how can we find it? The angel's message was simply this, good news of great joy. It was not a press release that heaven put out. It was not uh, going on electronic blast uh, for a great host of people to hear. It was not an electronic message uh, through the means we have today. It was a direct message from God by the angels, good news of great joy. The angel does not talk about salvation. The angel does not talk about the the blessings that come from God and giving your life to God. The angel does not discuss many aspects and attributes of following Christ as our Savior. The angel just says, good news of great joy. And that makes me wonder if I have the joy God intended for me to have, if I have that in my life. Well, you remember that angels were messengers from God. Throughout Scripture, it was the angels who voiced, physically voiced what God wanted them to say. Angels didn't make up their own message. Angels didn't put out their own, uh, their own press releases of sorts. The angels simply reflected God's Word for the moment. And so the Word spoken to the shepherds, although it came through angels, was God Himself speaking to their world and to ours. I thought about the message of angels this week and in scripture how they played out. I remember that it was back in the way in the Old Testament to Abraham or Abram then that the angel appeared to Abram in the form of a man as Abram was sitting under a great tree, the Bible says, in in a place called Mamre. And the angel said to Abraham, about this time next year, I'm going to visit you and your wife is going to give birth to a son you remember that abraham and sarah were old in age past the childbearing years in fact sarah was eavesdropping on the conversation in the edge of her tent and laughed out loud at the words of the angel that's how isaac's name was chosen and came to be it means laugh laughter or laughs out loud the angel said you'll have a son And I'm going to build a great nation from him. And his descendants and your descendants will be as numerous as the sands of the seashore. An unbelievable message for a man and wife who had not been able to conceive a child in their many years together. It was an angel of the Lord that appeared to Joshua uh, in the midst, of just after the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River and were facing great opposition and wondering, how in the world are we ever going to be able to overcome the, the strongholds and the enemy that stands before us? But you remember, as Joshua was traveling in the way, the Bible says he saw a man standing with a sword in his hand, and Joshua stopped and said, are you for us or against us? And the man said, I am the captain of the army of God, and we are with you. And go forward with great confidence in God victory will be yours it was an angel that appeared to a young teenage boy threshing wheat in a wine press as you'll remember the bible states Gideon was trying to escape the view of the Midianites and trying to preserve a little bit of food for his family when an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said mighty man of valor I think uh, Gideon probably looked around behind him to see who he was talking to In fact, Gideon said to this angel, Are you talking to me? I'm the youngest member of a poor family, the smallest tribe of Israel. But the angel said, God has chosen you. You will go forth and you will bring deliverance to my people. It was an angel that appeared to a young teenage girl who said, You've caught the attention of Almighty God and He is going to come over you and you will become Pregnant with a child. And, and prophecy, a, a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, the angel said, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be the Savior of the world. It was an angel that appeared to a, to a confused groom or a, a husband-to-be when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream at this time to say, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. You can trust her. You can trust me. And Joseph was such a man of faith. It was an angel of the Lord that appeared to a group of shepherds on the night of Christ's birth to say, I have good news of great joy, for unto you this day in the city of David is born a child. He is Christ the Lord, and He is for all people. So the angel of the Lord was delivering God's message and God's will. What an interesting thing to say to a group of shepherds, very low in the the economic societal scale. Shepherds were not uh, trusted as, as men, adult shepherds. Uh, they were nomadic people. They wandered from place to place, town to town. They were regarded as thieves. In fact, the reputation of shepherds was so poor that testimony of a shepherd in a court of law did not count, even though the shepherd might be eyewitness to what they were testifying about. And the angel of the Lord appears to this group of, uh, of disrespected and, and, and uh, looked down upon shepherds. To say over there in the city of David is a baby's born tonight and the focus will be of great joy for you. Bethlehem was a little out of the road place at the time of Jesus' birth. We've kind of we made Bethlehem in our minds and in our pageantry. We've kind of made Bethlehem this spectacular kind of God filled almost a Disney like experience with a bright light shining down on the streets of but Beth- Bethlehem was far from that. Most experts say that at the time of Jesus, Bethlehem was a tiny, tiny village, just a few structures, uh, nothing to be uh, uh, excited about. It's about five miles from Jerusalem, Bethlehem was a little place. We would probably call it a village or a hamlet it would be one of those it would be one of those towns like we have in Texas, where the welcome to the town is on one side of the population and on the other side is thank you for visiting our town. It was a, a one sign town. <laughs> they didn't have a stoplight. They didn't have anything going for it. The city of David usually is regarded as the city of Jerusalem where David put on the map as a city for God. but Bethlehem was the birthplace of David, if you remember back in way back in the Old Testament in the book of Samuel when King Saul had failed God and God had said you can no longer be my leader of my people and Samuel went home and mourned for the whole situation and God said Samuel why are you crying? Get up and wash your face and get dressed and go to Bethlehem. I have chosen another king for you there from the sons of Jesse. And you remember that story? Jesse brought his sons in before Samuel like they were walking in a Miss America pageant. They, the first one came in, walked down the aisle, no doubt turned and looked and Samuel got up and the Lord said, not him. And Jesse brought the next son and the next son. And every time it was the same. By the time the fourth son came along, I don't think Samuel even got up at that point. All seven sons of, of Jesse went forward and the Lord said, none of them. And finally the old prophet Samuel said to Jesse, don't you have any other sons? You remember what Jesse said? Oh, oh, the runt. We have, we have one more son left. He's the runt of the family. In Hebrew, that's the translation. He's out tending a few sheep. And Samuel said, go get him. We're not going to proceed until he comes. And the Bible said that when David walked into the room, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and the Lord said, this is the one. And, and Samuel got up and anointed King David, the greatest king and leader of God's people, who came from a nowhere place, who was not even given place at the special uh, ceremony for the sons of Jesse. Bethlehem was that kind of place. It was not on the map uh, hardly at all. In some maps it was probably not located or identified. It was not on the, 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 the state's uh, places to see and visit. The Chamber of Commerce didn't put out a document that said, You're welcome here in Bethlehem. Come and see our great sights. Bethlehem was a nowhere place in a, in a nowhere setting except that for God and His good news of great joy. In fact, in about the late 1800s, uh, a, a, a pastor from, from uh, New England visited the city of Bethlehem. Philip was his name. And after viewing Bethlehem, Philip sat down and wrote his thoughts. About a year later, his minister of music put it to music. And he wrote the song that's so valued to us at this time of the year, O Little Town of Bethlehem, How Still We See the lights and of all the things that, can, that make up this tiny little town, uh, Bethlehem was an unusual place to talk about joy. In fact, before the coming of the Christ child, there probably was not much joy in the world and, and much joy in life. Even the people of God had a difficult time prior to the coming of Christ, they lived their entire lifetime under opposition and oppression. They were at war or, or threatened to be at war. They were, uh, they were taken over by foreign countries, and even at the time Jesus came, God's people were under the heavy Roman rule and Roman authority. They didn't know much about joy, but the coming of the Christ child ushers a new way into to live, and it is a way with joy at its center. And so it would seem that from Scripture that the joy, of, that the joy God has to give begins in Christ and continues in Christ. In fact, the joy that the angel speaks about comes from accepting the Christ child, honoring the Christ child, and devoting your life to this Christ child who would come to be our resurrected Lord and Savior. The joy of Jesus begins to to have reality in our lives. First of all, when we begin to obey and honor His truths. I find it interesting that the message of God through the, to the angels, to the shepherds, uh, good news of great joy, the shepherds didn't have great joy just hearing the news. The angels left, the shepherds talked among themselves, decided to go see what the angel was talking about. It was when they saw the Christ child that joy seemed to fill their hearts and lives so much so that they went out from there and began to tell everyone what they had seen and heard. And we know that the truth of being in harmony with God is the key to a joy-filled life. Joy is not about money, and it is not about material things, and it is not a, a, an attribute that the world creates. The joy that referenced here is a joy that comes only from God and being in harmony with Him. And if you've ever walked with God in a Christian setting, and you've ever chosen sometime to step away from that life, I will tell you from personal experience, there is anything in your life that is joyful when we get out of harmony with God, life is a struggle that we, we create and we have to deal with on our own. It is only in honoring the truth and, uh, and obeying the, the, the way of Christ that harmony and joy comes into our hearts. I want to tell you this morning, joy is missing from our world today. And it has to be one of the reasons we live in such a mean world and there, why there's evil so much around and why people do such horrible and terrible things because you can't have the joy of Jesus in your life and still live that kind of life because the way of Christ is not evil, and it is not mean, and it is not vicious. The way of Christ is a way of joy, and joy comes, first of all, because we're honoring and obeying and living with Him. Uh, a, A key to finding joy is to obey Him. In all things if you're out of harmony with God today I want to remind you that there are many tangible results from that and the consequences could certainly be proved to be uh, fatal and, and even worse than that but 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 the way to find harmony in life is to is to submit yourself to this Jesus who was born this day in this nowhere city and 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 had the announcement come to a to a bunch of undeserving people by the world standards that great joy has come in the form of this Christ child I would go so far as this morning to say our marriages could use some joy. Nobody say amen to that, by the way. It would not be good for you to do that at this time. I would appreciate it, but I'm not sure your spouse would. how different would our lives be if as a marriage couple in the most sacred commitment God created on this earth if the joy of Jesus ruled our hearts and our homes and we were able to get beyond pride and arrogance and selfishness and all the negative things that make interpersonal relationships so difficult how many places of business could use joy among its workforce there's always somebody in every setting that's that that's negative and critical and and uh, sometimes even dishonest. And they seek to bring the whole, the whole element of, and, and atmosphere of the workplace down. And they're a struggle to be around if you're trying to live a right life for God. But what would happen if joy invaded your work situation? And while we can't affect the lives of others, while we can't determine the lives of others in their relationship to God, we can certainly be a reflection of what God can do in our hearts and lives. And if we live with the joy that Jesus brings it just transforms the the world we live in at school in the neighborhood maybe even a church sure at the shopping mall anybody been to the mall lately i want to tell you i don't know if it's that way with all of us but the malls i went to peace and joy is not part of the agenda there in fact there's a there's a, a battle for parking places and there's a lot of rudeness that goes on in the roads around there and sometimes the clerks are stressed out and they're not kind and We sure as representatives of Christ ought to be the the exception to that. And the joy of Jesus should radiate in our lives to those around us. That's the intention of what Christ came to bring. In In reality, the joy that the angels spoke about is found only in knowing Christ as our Savior. We can talk about it, we can talk around the subject, we can, we can all have all kinds of uh, biblical theories and, and all kinds of thoughts about the right life, but the simple truth of the Bible is joy that God has to give comes from knowing Jesus. And by the way, after Jesus came into the world, joy seems to become a theme in the New Testament, and in fact it seems to be a sustaining, a, a sustaining and strengthening point that helped God's people live through some difficult times. Matthew chapter 13 says that when for the saved possess the joy that, that, is, that, that Christ has brought into being. The book of Acts is filled with statements about joy. As God's people began to suffer and endure persecution and endure a lot of terrible things because of their belief in God, yet they possessed great joy after being publicly beaten in order not to proclaim anything about the name of Christ. Paul and Silas thrown in prison. You remember what they did? At midnight, they prayed and sang praises to God. They counted themselves, they counted themselves in all joy that they were worthy of being persecuted for the cause of Christ. They, they actually embraced joy as a way t- to uh, demonstrate that because they have enough of God in their life, it is recognized and they're they are troubled because of it and they endure hardship because of it. But the sustaining joy that Jesus gives helped them navigate through the hard times of life with the confidence in God and a right attitude, and a right heart, enabling them to live in the midst of such stuff in a victorious way. We've had sickness in our church. In fact, every family represented, in just about every family anywhere, has had difficult times with physical illnesses. I want to tell you the joy of Jesus that sustains His people in times of trouble and even death is real and present and available to all of us if we know Christ as our Savior. Financial problems, trouble at home, difficulties in our families, a difficult situation in the workforce. I thought of our Tim Mitchell that came into our town a couple of years ago on a on a road highway construction project and because they're behind schedule and over budget and management changes, the manager decides to reorganize and the jobs like Tim and some others have so critical in the beginning are eliminated. A man that's been faithful to God. A man that's served God and given to God and honored God. and Yet finds himself in a very undesired situation. But Tim told me he had peace in his heart and the joy of Jesus was evident in his life. And he said, I know God will open another door for me because this door has closed. I have such confidence in God that I can embrace a season of Christmas without a job because I know who loves me and who cares for me and who guides my life. It is the joy of Jesus that helps him through and will help him through that difficult time and so in a stressful time of the year as Christmas has become with buying and wrapping and and, and cooking and and baking I don't know if anybody does that a whole lot these days but at least buying it okay, buying it cooked and baked and the stress of the financial stress of this day I want to remind you that the joy Jesus gives can sustain us through whatever life brings us and knowing Jesus is the key to having the joy the angels talked about, and the angels spoke about. I read this week a couple of uh, biographies, uh, partial biographies. Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was a world conqueror. He, he did pretty much what he wanted to do as an adult. He, he and his army did, uh, took whatever they wanted to take. They were an unstoppable and movable force. Alexander the Great became wealthy in so many ways, tangible ways, and such power, but at the end of his life, Alexander the Great is reported to have gone into his tent and wept regularly because of the unsatisfactoriness of his life and all the things that he hoped would bring him peace and harmony did not Jay Gould was was an early millionaire in America, maybe even a billionaire. He was a railroad guy and an entrepreneur and, and a mover and shaker, as we would like to say, certainly one of the wealthiest men of his time. Jay Gould's statements, final statements at the end of his life, I am the most miserable man on earth. And the list goes on and on and on. Joy is not found in what the world has to offer. Joy is not found in a bank account that is a certain size or in a certain zip code. Joy is not found by what's parked in our driveways or our garages or hanging in our closets. Joy is not purchased at the mall. Joy is the joy that God gives comes from knowing His Son who entered this world willingly, giving up His divine role in heaven in that setting, come into this world in the form of a baby, living the life that we live and doing it successfully dying on a cross, giving Himself up as a sacrifice for all of us so that we can know Him, so that sins can be forgiven, so that He can put us on a path where He directs our lives and gives to us the great joy, the joy of God to help guide us and sustain us through all of life. I want to remind you this morning in this Christmas season as we're almost to the Christmas Day celebration, I want to remind you that it's God's intention that we possess His joy Jesus gives that to us. Life is hard, folks, but God is great. Life is difficult. God does not promise us that it will not be. But the reward of knowing Jesus is that we don't go through difficult times alone. He is there to walk every step along the way with us. In fact, when we can't go on, He will carry us. And He will lead us to a great destination. Ultimately, He will lead us to a home in heaven and I assure you, whatever you believe about the path of God in your life, there is joy in heaven. Joy unspeakable, we used to sing, and full of glory. And we praise God, and we should praise God, for sending His Son, who seeks to give us so many things, but at the center of it is that He gives great joy to all people. I trust that this week that you will examine your own life, Make sure that you're up to date with God and your experience. Make sure that, that, you're, that you're living as God wants you to live. If not, it's easy to correct. We get on our knees and we repent of, our, of, our, of, our, of, our, uh, of the times and decisions we made that get us off track with God. We repent of our sins. We repent of our failures. We repent of our selfishness and all the negative things that affect our lives. And we seek to align ourselves with the creator of the universe, the sustainer of life. Who seeks to give us great joy do you have the joy of God in your life today if you don't you can get it it comes in knowing Christ I don't think I've ever preached about joy in my years of ministry but as I've studied this and looked at this and focused upon this as God has led me to this little phrase I have a greater understanding of what God wants to do in my life I've told the Lord several times in difficult times why don't you take this away from me Why don't you spare me from all of these things? Uh, In fact, I often like to say that in a time of five minutes of praying, I usually spend about 30 seconds telling God what the problem is and four and a half minutes and telling Him what He could do to solve it. And as I often like to note, God has never taken my advice. (laughs) And I'm glad He hasn't. God doesn't remove us from life itself, but He gives us the strength to sustain us in our faith and believe in Him through the most difficult times of life. And a key ingredient of that strength is that we possess the joy of God. Isaiah prophesied 700 years ago, a child would be born, a son given. The government would rest upon His shoulders. He would be a mighty God. He would be a, a, a wonderful counselor. He would be the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His peace and government, there will be no end. It certainly seems appropriate that Isaiah would have said, and he also seeks to give us joy to help us through the most difficult times of life. Folks, the key to to joy as God sees it is knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus as our own, possessing him as our Savior. It is a great Christmas gift God gives to us. I challenge you again to examine your life and heart, and if you're not in alignment with God, it's the right time to make uh, changes to get in alignment with Him and to celebrate His joy. I find it amazing that the greatest event our world has seen thus far, God chose to do in such a non-spectacular way. An out-of-the-way place called Bethlehem. An announcement going to a group of people so despised that, that they, didn't, they weren't even believed to be credible. The message going to the shepherds. And the Christ child born in a stable. I thought about that last night in our live nativity. The camels are acting up and they're making noises and spitting and, 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 and pushing their handlers around. And cars are going by and it's such a busy intersection. And a motorcycle roars through that's got a radio on it. I didn't know motorcycles had radios on it. And it's blaring at a, at a volume that a person could hear it while the engine's running. And boy, it was so loud. How typical it was of the environment Christ was born in. Not a perfect environment. God chose to bring Christ into the world in such a most unusual way. But the joy that he gives, the joy that he gives, the angel said, is for all people today. That is true for us. Amen. Thank God for that. I read the story, an incredible story, uh, a couple of weeks ago in a book by by, uh, Max Lucado. He talks about two women's softball teams, at college-level softball. Uh, one from Oregon, I think they were the, uh, I think it was Western Oregon University and Central Washington University. And they were in a final game of the year of collegiate women's softball to determine who would go on to the playoffs. The loser of this game would end its season. The seniors on the losing team would play their last collegiate game and uh, the winner would move on. A critical time. The Oregon team was noted for some big, some heavy hitters. Uh, the story says the key, the, the, the main portion of their lineup, batting lineup, was, was full of muscle and brawn and power. Sarah Tchaikovsky was not on that list. She was on the team. But no one ever used the words of strength and hardy and power about her. She was actually a substitute right fielder for the Oregon team. She was only playing because of a fluke that happened to the right fielder that enabled Sarah to, to be needed and to get in. She had a batting average of a whopping 153. If you're not a baseball follower, I'll tell you, 153 is a very poor batting average. It's, it's, about, it's about as close to nothing as you can get. Sarah was a 153 hitter, but in a critical ending of this game, with two runners on base and Oregon needing to score a run, Sarah came to the plate. No one expected much of her. I'm not sure even Sarah did. But in collegiate softball, as the pitcher wound up and, and threw a blazing fastball, if you've not watched those pitchers pitch, it is, it, it's amazing. It is a rocket that flies by you. Sarah didn't do well in the first couple of pitches. But the next pitch was a blinding curveball, and Sarah swung into the shock of everybody, It was a hard, solid hit, and as the crowd stood in suspense, it went over the outfield fence for a home run. Sarah had never hit a home run before, not even in practice, not even in warm-up. She had never come close to it, but this day, for some reason, everything just went in just the right way, and Sarah hit a home run. She was so excited, she missed first base, touching first base. The coach called her back before she reached second, and when when she turned around to, to run back to first base, something in her leg popped very loudly. and Sarah went to, her, went to the ground writhing in pain. They all stood there for a few moments not knowing what to do. Sarah literally crawled back to first base and sat on the bag in, a, in great pain and in fact looked at the coach and said, what do I do? Well, the coach knew that if he sent somebody to help her while a play was still in play, Uh, that it would be an automatic out for Sarah and this whole situation would be over. But Sarah couldn't stand up and couldn't run. And so the umpires huddled and the umpires began an interesting discussion and say, what in the world are we going to do? For a few moments, the only noise heard was people in the crowd uh, uh, shouting instructions and the majority of the crowd wanted Sarah to be immediately taken for medical attention. The umpires were kind of listening to that. The coach of Sarah's coach and teammates were just kind of in, in shock. Sarah was writhing in pain, sitting on first base. The umpires were huddled over here, not really knowing what to do. When they were shaken by a player talking to them, Mallory Holtman from the other team said, Hey, ump, we'll help her. The umpires didn't know what to do. They didn't know if that was legal or not. But one of them said, Go ahead. And, and Sarah... Uh, 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 Mallory called for the shortstop on, on the Washington team and they went over to Sarah and, and the two girls from Washington said to the Oregon University girl we're going to pick you up and carry you and with one arm under her leg and one, arm under her, one hand under her arm on both sides of her they picked her up and began to walk towards second base they stopped at second base long enough so that Sarah could, she could very gingerly touch second base with her foot by the time she got to, they got to third base the crowd was standing on its feet when they lowered Sarah down to touch third base and headed toward home, every, every person on the stands was, was shouting in praise for her. Mallory's her, uh, uh, teammate was on their feet. Sarah's teammate couldn't believe it. And these two girls on the other side, gingerly carried her to home plate and touched her foot on the plate. It was a three-run homer that gave the edge to Oregon. For Mallory, a senior college player it would be the last game of her collegiate career what an incredible display of of, of sportsmanship and kindness that these two girls picked up mallory when she couldn't picked up sarah when she could not do it herself and took her around the base to complete quite an award and ensure victory for them folks that's a picture of what christ has done for us He came as a little baby. He couldn't pick up anybody for a while. But he grew to be a man. Engaged in public ministry. Gave himself up as a sacrifice. Was nailed to a tree. And everybody thought he was setting on first base. Down for the count. The power of God came in him in that tomb. After he had been there for three days. and, And brought life back to him. And carried him to victory. And because he is victorious. Defeating sin and death and satan he sits at the right hand of god seeking to help every one of us in that collegiate game that day everyone in the stands had joy about them sarah had joy about her what she couldn't do her teammates the opposition picked her up and carried her both teams felt a, a moment of rejoicing in the same way god seeks to help every one of us we who were dead in sin we who were lost in our trespasses, we who could not possess joy because of Christ's victory and carrying us with Him to the cross, we can be victorious. We can know Christ and the joy God intended for us to have can be real in our hearts. Thank the Lord for His great gift of a child. But thank the Lord of the child's great gift that He brings joy to every one of us. Let's concentrate on that this week and pray and ask God to help us and be possessors of, uh, of the joy that came when Christ came into the world. For the angel said, good news of great joy for you and all people. I'm glad to be counted in the all people category. And we thank God for what he can do for us. And everybody says together, amen and amen.